I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast, what we are dubbing 32 teams in 32 days, breaking down team by team, every team for the 2021 NFL season. I am Neil Smith, joined, as always, by Mr. Steve Bonham. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, once again, it is July 24th as we sit down to record this. And uh, primary topic today is the Buffalo Bills, which is quite quite the topic it's going to be uh got a lot of ground to cover here with this one just like just like the other just like the the previous show with baltimore a lot of fantasy implications here and as always we're going to start it off with quarterback once again everything we're talking about here is based on 12 team ppr standard uh check out all of our pro tools at importantnonsense.com slash patreon and we will be referencing the fantasy pros ecr as well as our own tools for the purposes of this discussion but let's kick it off with quarterback steve and i think we'll let's take our final mea culpa from 2020, where you and I both got out here loud and proud and poo-pooed Mr. Josh Allen and uh, told people to not to stay away, that they were overpaying. And uh, then then we kind of kind of got shut up on that topic. So that's uh, one one final mea culpa there. So for this season, uh, there have been some adjustments. So I personally, we've talked about our quarterback rankings a couple times as we've as we've mm-hmm. stepped through this. And, you know, Josh Allen is, the for me, he's the top of tier two at quarterback. He's my number three overall. It's him and Dak, and, and then it's Allen, Dak, and Lamar all in that second tier quarterback. So if you want Josh Allen, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. I'd, I'd argue that it's worth it, but same advice on some of these other guys. It's worth it, but don't overpay for him. It's, yeah. it's, it's, not, worth, it's not worth that. And in general, if you want to wait on quarterback like every year, there is no shortage of good weight on quarterback options. So do not feel in your draft compelled to have to overpay to get a Josh Allen. It is not worth it in the long run. That being said, if you can get him at an appropriate price point, I expect big things. He is my number three quarterback after all. And so yeah. the rushing floor really helps with that. So not a long conversation unless you have some long diatribe on Josh Allen that you'd like to go through. No, we've talked about those QB tiers a couple of times. And it's just the fact that the reason it's tiered off that way is because you have Mahomes and Murray who even their worst seasons are still going to give you top 10. They're they're still going to be dominant performers at their position, no matter what. Like I would argue that their worst season this year is probably top five. Whereas you've got Allen who just went from being, uh, again, we talked about it last off season a lot. He was the most inaccurate quarterback pretty much in the history of the NFL to flip that and be the most accurate quarterback in the NFL last season, it's really hard to just flip that switch and say, oh yeah, it was Stefan Diggs. That's what did it. That's That was all he needed. That was the medicine that healed all. Uh, so he could be in for a, a massive regression season, which is the risk that you're taking here. Like, yes, he has the rushing floor. Yes, he has a ton of upside. He finished his QB1 last year. He finished his QB7 the year before because of the rushing. But they specifically said they want him to rush less. He made it a point to rush less last year. 
and we'll see if again for me he's in that tier two but that tier two is the guys with risk right you've got Dak who's coming back off of that major leg injury but if he's healthy he is one of the best if not the best pure passers in the NFL you've got Josh Allen who has the rushing floor but he was great last year passing the ball can he do it consistently and then Lamar Lamar is an unbelievable rusher. If you put Lamar Jackson into the running back category and took away all of his passing stats, Lamar Jackson would be a top 20 running back. That Those are the numbers he puts up at QB. So adding in quarterback passing ability just makes him an even better overall prospect. But if he turns the ball over, if he doesn't rush as much, he when you're dealing with running QBs too, you're dealing with, you know, ups uptick in injury potential. So there are three guys that are great. They're a tier above everyone below them, but they also come with their own inherent risks, which is why they're tier two guys. Exactly. And so while they are dynamic players and while they are in their own right, all great. And you know, the, the, and the centerpiece of their franchises, frankly, that's not bury the lead either here. I mean, you've got Josh Allen. Sure. But you also have the reigning Nickelodeon MVP. Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> sitting Trubisky. right behind him now. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Is quarterback controversy. Can Mitch Trubisky steal Josh Allen's job? Reigning Nickelodeon MVP. Can he do he, it? He couldn't even win the MVP last year. And now you've got Mitchell Trubisky on the team, the reigning MVP. I mean, oh, come why? on. This oh, is whew. no vote. Of not a vote of confidence in Josh Allen from the Bills organization. You know, it's, oh. you can't bring in somebody of that caliber. <laughs> So they don't just the give way, away MVPs. By the way, if this is your first time listening to this, Steve and I are both lifelong Bears fans from the Chicago area and are not bitter in any way, shape, or form. None. Not bitter at all. Could not be bitter. No, we wish the best things for Mitch Trubisky. Uh, <laughs> backing up Josh Allen. <laughs> Where he belongs. Where he belongs. On the bench. On the bench. Covering for Josh Allen. So... But no, if you feel if you can get a decent deal on Josh Allen, I have no problem with if you if you're if you want to get if you're in that category of folk who like to build your team from that philosophy where I want a solid quarterback and I don't want to be dealing with that every week. If you can get it at a reasonable price point, I have no problem building Josh Allen as like the, the centerpiece. Spoiler of alert, you won't. So, yes, you won't. And that is and there you go. And that's where we're going to get to. Just it's yeah. really like imperative. Kyler, but right now you've got Mahomes who's going basically back end of round one high-end round two. That is his redraft ADP as of right now, 13 overall. Josh Allen is then at 24, so the back end of the second round, and Kyler Murray, 32, back into the third round. So, yeah, you, you would have to really pay up if you like Josh Allen, and I do not like Josh Allen that much. Yeah, I like Josh Allen fine, but that's a gross overpayment in mm -hmm. my mind, and it is not something that I would co-sign. I would, I would be more inclined at that point if that was if that's the price tags that that are happening in your league. I would be inclined to wait on quarterback and let people kind of punch themselves out. Yeah. Well, let's do what we've done in other shows, and let's just go right into it because once again we have we have a dominant wide receiver to talk about on one of these teams. I don't know how this is happening; it's not by design. But I'm very curious what happens when we get to the next show and we're talking about the Panthers. And if you just say, "Well, let's go right into it and skip over McCaffrey," 
That's the one I'm going to be interested in. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out here in a minute. We're going to find out soon, I, I guess. Might. I might. We'll see. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we've, we've, we've covered some of this as well. So we're kind of treading on ground if you've listened to previous shows that we've already talked about. But Stefan Diggs, he's the top part of the wide receiver big three for both you and I. He's, yeah. he's the top of that tier, the last horse for me and the top of the tier one stable of wide receivers. So I would take Stefan Diggs as, you know, I consider him the number three overall for fantasy purposes for this year. And I, I think, I believe, are you at two on that particular? Stefan Diggs is my number one wide receiver. This oh, year. that's right. You're, that's right. Number one. And again, I can't argue with that for any of the guys in the top three, which is Devontae Adams, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, and Stefan Diggs. It's fine. Yep. Order it however you like. Uh, those three, those three, I think, are your the, blue the, chips. And like you said, the tiebreaker for me there is, you know me and my love of consistency. First of all, I I ate a lot of crow on our closeout show last year about Stefan Diggs. I was wrong. Oh no, about you had a uh, you had a uh, crow based meal for sure yeah, on that for a one. while. <laughs> like I was, and I was fine with it. I I admitted I was wrong about Stefan Diggs that he put up better numbers than he's ever put up in his career with a QB that I wasn't very high on. So good for him. That's just that proves out the player. He had a fantastic season, better than anyone could have anticipated. I don't care even if you're Aiden talking right, about how great Stefan Diggs could be. <laughs> even Aiden wouldn't have Stefan Diggs as the clear-cut wide receiver one like he was last year. So, well, in, in my opinion. But Adams was the clear-cut one, and then you had Tyreek Hill's touchdown machine. Yes, the touchdown, the touchdown regression analysis machine but, that we'll get to when we get there. Uh, Stefan Diggs, for me, the consistency. I mentioned it when you looked at everybody else, like no one in the league at wide receiver had more than, I think it was 11 weeks uh, with at least a 10-point performance. And Stefan Diggs did it every single week last year. He had a minute, like he's the only guy who played in every game and gave you at least 10 fantasy points in every single I game. I believe the player you were referencing there with that stat was what we uncovered around Robbie Anderson. For Robbie Anderson was one of like 10 players that yeah. was in that mix that got into there. But like, yeah, Stefan Diggs was the only one that did it every week. I think the number two guy may have been Anderson is what you're saying. Foreshadowing Chad. I think so. <laughs> So, I'd yeah. have to look it back up, but yeah, but something have, like that. But, I, but I know for sure that Diggs was the most consistent guy. He put up massive numbers. Adams would be my one because how could he not with his points per game last year? But Green Bay is a whole headache, man, with the, the issues with well, yeah, Rodgers. Does he come Jordan, back? Yeah, is now, Jordan Love throwing it to Devontae Adams? And then is Devontae Adams even going to show up if that yeah, happens? Exactly. That's now the, the contract is broken down with them, so maybe he doesn't even want to show up. If they trade Rodgers, does he really want to show up at all? Like, not only are you worried about Jordan Love throwing in the ball, but you're worried about, does he hold out and say, nope, if Aaron's gone, so am I. Right. And then, then you compound that with the hilarity of both of them putting the Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen thing mm -hmm. on their Twitter timeline literally mm -hmm. today, which was pretty entertaining. I don't want to read too much into what people do on Twitter, but yeah. it was it was entertaining. So there's but, a lot of smoke there. Yeah. But regardless, like we know what Diggs and Hopkins are. Those are those two guys there. Diggs is my number one because of the consistency. But. It's again, you, you pick your poison type there. Yep. With all three of them. And then, you know, weirdly enough, as we pivot away from Stefan Diggs, by the way, if you're going to, if you're going to go ahead, Stefan Diggs is a player that I would absolutely be fine with paying up for. So what, you know, his ADP is, you know, that it is what it is. Yeah. So I'd be fine with it. 
but some of the, but then, even then that's, this is another situation where it's a guy that we're higher on than the general public. So he's number three behind Hill and Adams. You can get Stefan Diggs in the second round. Yeah. And I'd be thrilled about it. Yeah. I'd be loving my life if that's what was happening in my world. So uh, wheels up completely on Stefan Diggs, but from there it gets a little bit more cloudy, right? It gets a little bit more distressing to try and suss out the rest of the, the team really in general. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the offseason, for the folks who maybe didn't catch it, John Brown is no longer in Buffalo. And uh, I hope he enjoys his time uh, <laughs> playing, in, playing in Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I see, I was working real hard, Steve, to not say Oakland. Okay. I was yeah, I really, I'm really I trying to clean that up. You really had to swallow the bomb down. I had to, no, I had to, I had, it's not just that. It's more, I had to, like, my brain just doesn't want to accept it. Yeah. So, that's fair. like, so they're playing, they're playing, he's playing in Las Vegas now. In walks Emmanuel Sanders, who that's it's relatively interesting because Emmanuel Sanders, even though he's been in the league for what feels like forever, still periodically shows up and actually plays well. No, you're you're burying the lead again. So you have Diggs still on the outside. You still have Cole Beasley in the slot and they lost John Brown. And remember, like the two month hype train that was Gabriel Davis. Oh, yep. Yep. See, there you go. Yeah, I was working my way there. (laughs) Fantasy Fantasy Twitter Twitter got out of control. With the Gabriel Davis hype train, and then they signed Emmanuel Sanders. Now, now, and now the public is torn. Exactly. So you've got you've got two new additions here. Well, not a, one 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 guy who was supposed to get an upgrade who was with the team, but a new yeah. addition is kind of is kind of muddied the whole waters here. Yeah. And one you guy still who have, was supposed to have his path cleared. Right, and you still yeah. have Cole Beasley. So Cole Beasley's job, I don't think, is going to change too much. He's going to mm-hmm. play in the slot. It's what he does. It's mm-hmm. what they have him there to do, yep. and. We're not going to spend too much time on his Twitter comments, but if you're worried about if you're worried about a player, let's say if you're a risk averse person drafting in fantasy football this year, you don't want Cole Beasley. okay? and I'll let you just look up his Twitter comments yourself. Well, I think you should just go back to our primer episode uh, where we basically explained what you would still have to be dealing with lingering from last year. Right. So check in on the primer episode as as relates to uh, to Cole Beasley. So. But for for fantasy production, assuming that he's out there, I don't have too much issue with, you know, kind of, it's fine. He's in the wide receiver 35. He's a flex wide receiver category. He's gonna well, have- I think that's going to be the thing too, is the narrative, right? Like, right. this is where a situation where you can certainly let the narrative play into your hands. Um, Cole Beasley, again, for all of his stupidity off the field, you've got a guy where we're projecting him for over a hundred targets. He's consistent in the slot. He finished top 30 last year. He was in the close to the top 24 two years ago. He was white hot for a stretch in there, too. So, that yeah, I mean, he's bad. he's put up massive numbers over the last couple of seasons. And again, his role hasn't changed. He's still the slot guy. They're still going to run the same offense and do annual standards showing up does not matter as related yeah. to Cole Beasley's job. It he's is still going to show up and generally do the same thing. And here we are like a broken record every single season. What are we always talking about? Why does no one care about Cole Beasley? He's wide receiver 59 in the ECR. He's wide receiver 53 in ADP. So based on our projected numbers, he should be a top 40 wide receiver. If he's a guy that you can have for basically free as your sixth or seventh guy on your bench, there's no risk in making that pick. Exactly. Because his antics off the field don't carry the weight that they would if you were going to actually have to invest real capital in him. At that point in the draft, you're getting a nice a nice floor guy with actually a small amount of upside, which is always fun. Yeah. Right now you're getting him in the middle of the 12th. 
So yeah, so very easily be your sixth or seventh wide so receiver. So if something happens and he ends up not being able to play, it doesn't really impact your roster that much. Yeah. It's it's not that big of a deal. So Cole Beasley, I'm fine with with drafting and rostering given the current the current you know market for him. So I have yeah. no issues with Cole Beasley. It's then we get into everything else. <laughs> yeah, where it gets really interesting. Because and that's just by the way, we'll just kind of push through them. Like Isaiah McKenzie is the guy who is the backup for Cole Beasley. Yes. So theoretically you could have Gabriel Davis or Emmanuel Sanders go into that Beasley role if something happened to him. But Isaiah McKenzie is the most natural slot receiver they have other than Cole Beasley. So that's kind of his role on the team. He will trade off with Cole every once in a while and get his um, you also have Jake Kumaro for depth. I, the by the way, Isaiah McKenzie, for anyone who's never seen Isaiah McKenzie play football, take it from somebody who watched Denver play for years. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie's not good, so he's not yeah. a threat to, to no. anybody's job. And uh, you also have Jake Kumaro, who almost apparently single-handedly destroyed the uh, the locker room in Green Bay, I guess. <laughs> we don't know. Just, we don't know. Don't know. It's hard to yeah. say, but very possibly. <laughs> very possibly was the final. Isaiah McKenzie, by the way, is the primary kick and punt returner for Buffalo. So again, if you are in a kick punt return league where it favors those type of yards, then he's certainly someone you want to be taking at the back end of your drafts because he's going to get work. He's going to get you those yardage and he'll get you the occasional. Yes. And while he's not very good at playing wide receiver, I will say he is fast. Yeah. Special teams. Extraordinaire. He is good at that. Yes. Brandon Powell, Duke Williams are both on the team, but I don't think for long. And if they are, it'll be for special teams. So it really just comes down to Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders. Who do you think wins out in the Z role opposite Stefan Diggs X? And who's the wide receiver for rotating in? And I think the answer to that question is, I think Emmanuel Sanders is actually the one who will come in and Mm -hmm. earn, earn Allen's confidence more readily. Whereas Gabe Davis, while he has been there, has been kind of spotty. Emmanuel Sanders, though, will eventually cede to Gabriel Davis because Emmanuel Sanders typically does not quite get through a 16-game season, similar to his predecessor, John Brown. And then Gabe Davis will take over that job and probably retain it moving forward. So the only reason I'm explaining that is because I think you will see a good amount of Emmanuel Sanders early in the season. And then you will he will cede time to Gabriel Davis. I do not think that this is going to be a Gabriel Davis wins the job in camp or in the preseason type of deal. And then Emmanuel Sanders is relegated to the four. I view that the opposite direction. And I think I might be on the opposite end of what conventional logic would be in that regard uh, within the industry. Uh, so actually right now in the ECR, Gabriel Davis is 69. Emmanuel Sanders is 70. So no one knows what to do. That's literally right next to each other. <laughs> So no uh, one knows what to do. <laughs> in ADP, Gabriel Davis is 59, Emmanuel Sanders 71. Sure. So Emmanuel just a little bit lower than his ECR in the ADP. People higher on Davis because, of course, upside. You're taking that shot at the back end of your draft. To me, I think they end up cannibalizing each other. I think this is a true four-person committee. You've got a guy like we saw last year in Emmanuel Sanders. He he doesn't have what's left in the tank to be an alpha or no, even no. a beta at this point. I, I don't think he's even a true number two. We saw last year they tried to give him a larger workload in New Orleans, and oof, that did not work out at all, which is why he's here in Buffalo chasing a ring, trying to win. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is still a decent enough player that he's going to, and he's making enough money 
that he's yeah, going to see they, the field. They clearly, they clearly are going to play him. They're yeah, not they're, they're going to play him. He's going to see the field, but I think it's going to be a true rotation. I think Emmanuel Sanders will start one drive at the Z. I think Gabriel Davis will come out the next and they'll just continue to rotate just personnel constantly so they always have somebody fresh to go yeah. with Diggs and Beasley. And however it manifests, I think the point here is clear. I'm not really that hyped about either one of them. I don't want either one. I'm just going to kind of stay away from it. So the way I look at the bills is if I'm willing to pay up for QB, Alan, sure. Stefan Diggs all day, especially given where his. And even then, like, I I think the general to, to what you were kind of saying, like the general consensus of Gabriel Davis being the guy or the guy to take, I think you can have him for fairly cheap still, but just me generally, like if I'm taking a guy, a shot on a guy that, that deep, um, you're talking about Diggs, obviously top five. You're talking about Beasley top 40 with top, top 40. 30 to 24 upside. Yeah. 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 Top what, what's 40. the upside for Gabriel Davis? Like even if he had yeah. the entire Z role, is he really going to be a consistent wide receiver? Three? No, even? I think you're talking about back end of forties into the fifties type of territory yeah. where you're so talking to about me. I think guy. Yeah, Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders are both bi week fill ins. Yep. And I think if, say, Sanders were to get hurt for some reason and Davis then, had the entire job, even then, I feel like he's a wide receiver three at best. Yes, exactly. There's not, there's, to me, I'd rather spend 15 bucks on it in fab and own his stock that way than to, to invest a back end draft pick. That's where I'm at with it as well. I would just let it both ride. And if somebody wants to hold on to it, that's great. But there's other wide receivers so deep that there's so many dart yeah. throws in that area. So but there are other options. ones. There are other ones I like better that aren't trying to compete for one job on. Admittedly, it's a desirable job. But no, I think the players you want are Allen, Diggs, and Beasley. And then from there, we go into running back where, and you might be, that's a curious way to phrase that is those are the only players you want. And then still want to talk and still talk about running back until I remind everyone that the running backs are. Well, this is where it wraps up. This is where it gets real quick because they still have Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, and Reggie Gilliam at tight end, which is a travesty. Right. They have have been linked (laughs) at least no shortage of four times to Zach Ertz this offseason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There have been four separate occasions when it's been, oh, Buffalo will have Zach Ertz within the next 48 hours, and it never happens. They, They are in love with Zach Ertz and refuse to pull the trigger. Assuming they don't get a trade done and maybe they're just hoping that Ertz gets cut and they sign him outside of that, there is no tight end that you would want on Buffalo. Even if, even if that's, that's play the hypothetical game. Let's say that Zach Ertz gets cut and he signs with Buffalo tomorrow. Dawson Knox is dead at that point, right? Like sure. Yeah. Not Reggie Rochelle. Gilliam doesn't make the team. Jake is, Jacob Hollister is the third guy and gets zero targets. Yeah. So and he, I would he's, say he's there to block. Yeah. I would say at that point, Zach Ertz is probably looking at like 53, 55 targets somewhere in <laughs> yeah, there. If you look at our projections and you just start doing some basic math. That's about right. It's something in that neighborhood. I'll go with 53. I think. Yes. Yeah. So say, like say about like 53 targets for Zach Ertz with the touchdown potential in the red zone. I think it dings Devin Singletary's value out of the backfield a little bit. But I mean, at most, Zach Ertz would be what, top 20 at most? Yeah, he'd be something like that in that so, neighborhood. And, which and, is like waiver wire tight and end. And even level. then, that tight end is such a travesty that that is saying something to be that oh, yeah. low 
Uh, it just shows you how little they actually use the tight end. So yeah, you don't care about Buffalo tight ends at all, unless they get a name like Ertz for some reason. And then even then I would argue to your point that it's not even, do you, how much yeah. do you really it, care? You're not even, like, it's not even something you're targeting really. Yeah. How much do you really care? Cause Except I don't care like much. a flyer at the end of the draft. Like right. even if I'm in the 13th round, I'd rather take a shot on Zach Ertz than Gabriel Davis. If that was the situation. Yeah. Cause I'd rather wait. If I was going to draft Gabriel Davis, I'd want to do it like at the very end of the draft. Cause he's still, no, well, that's what I'm saying. Draft. Like if I have to take a kicker and a defense in the 14th round, I'd rather take, Zach Ertz than oh, sure, sure. Gabriel Davis or Emmanuel Sanders because I know Ertz has the touchdown potential. Right, and he's not competing with anybody. And I have to start it's a tight his, end every week. It's, yeah. And it's his job. Right. We know whose job it is. It's his job. That that's There's some certainty there that would be very reassuring. So then you've got the running backs Ugh, with Singletary, Moss. That's what I was setting up a moment ago. <laughs> this this the, is not... But hey, they signed Matt Breida. So that's, oh, yeah, that fixed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Top 15 running back, right? Oh, once upon a time, right? Once upon a time. Uh, no memories. Shout oh, out. Shout, out to, Kevin. shout uh, out to Kevin. Oh, boy. Um, but no, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss both live in that RB40 purgatory, which is not something you want because they basically cannibalize each other, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Breed is not rosterable. So that's really it. Like on Buffalo, it's interesting. You've got a lot to talk about, but it really all consists in about three or four guys on the totality of the entire roster. Those are your point centers. And they're great point centers, but all the supporting cast is not stuff that is not stuff that I'm really super excited about. Frankly, soup yeah. to nuts. Like it's it's kind of those the I mean, big as, three guys. As I have there. them ranked, I have Zach Moss 33 and Singletary 34, and it's because one of them is going to be the lead back. We just have no idea who. My money would be on Zach Moss because I think he's the better of the two of them. But it seems like they want to use Singletary as the satellite back. So in PPR, he will have deep value. Like if you're in a larger league, a 14, 16 team league, like Devin Singletary is going to have weekly startable value. It's just, I I don't think he has the skill set to emerge as the guy. And then Zach Moss is going to be the bruiser who's at the goal line trying to get those carries for touchdowns. always gets dinged because of Josh Allen. Exactly. And he's not that great of a pass catcher. So in PPR, he doesn't have as much value. But if Singletary got hurt, Zach Moss has the whole job. And there are so many carries and targets in that backfield that all of a sudden he has top 30, top 24 potential. Right, which is why I have them both like right next to each other in my rankings at like 40 and 41. Because one of the two of them will probably have some value (laughs) at some point. But I can't tell you which one because it's literally dependent on which one gets injured. And that will probably happen because it's the NFL at some point. And for those weeks, it'll be great to have one of them. But it's not something you can predict or count on in any realistic way. And if they both don't get hurt, they're going to wind up in that neighborhood anyway because they're just going to shit. They're just going to. They're gonna. They're not gonna be able to amass enough value with them trying to share that job while Josh Allen dives in from the one yard line six yep. times a year. So it just it doesn't work. So realistically, that's why I'm saying there's like three guys in Buffalo that I'd be excited about, and then everything else is kind of like eh, maybe. Yeah, it's, and it's then a you strange, got but... Tyler Bass is your kicker. It is what it is. I mean, theoretically, yep. he's a top ten guy because of the offense, and they're going to put up points and they're going to drive. And then you've got a good defense, top yep, five defense. defense be good but... again. But you don't want to overpay for a defense, as we've talked about several times. Yeah, you don't want to overpay for that. So realistically, that puts a nice, neat little bow on Buffalo, folks. It's uh, 
it's it's uh, it's kind of an interesting mess when you actually lay the whole thing out um, on paper and you realize that they put up a lot of a lot of points and a lot of production and a lot of targets get had, but in reality, it's all very clustered in the top the top portion of the team, and everything else kind of just. So there, if you want to take everything that we've talked about, basically, what is it like twenty seven minutes here? Uh, we could sum up Buffalo in very simply saying: pay up for Stefan Diggs and wait on Cole Beasley, and then you're done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> twenty seven minutes to to get that across. There you go. There it is. We did it. Oh, all right. Well, we'll put that byline in the uh, in the notes for the episode when we release it, and uh, and uh, we will look forward to having everybody back here uh, in a moment as we unpack the Carolina Panthers. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!